Hi there, you're listening to FNB Soundbites, a podcast where we cover hot topics, trends and challenges of interest to professionals in the engine room behind the food and beverage industry. I'm your host, Hamish McCook. Today I'm joined by Mike Duell, a business director with Becker, a wood-fired pizza enthusiast and founder and mastermind behind a revolutionary capital project and portfolio software, CapEx Insights. Mike is an inventor, a brave and passionate mathematician and engineer who believed there was a better way to support capital project delivery. Welcome, Mike. Thanks, Hamish. <laughs> Mike, I, uh, I've got to say I'm really excited about having you on today because I think you have a lot of insights that will be really fascinating for the people who listen into this. With your current work, where you're talking with senior people in some of the world's largest organisations, actually, about how they deal with capital project delivery across a number of geographies and scales. And so thanks very much for coming along today. First question I've got for you really, Mike, is what drew you into the area that you're in at the moment? How did you get to this point of being a global go-to guy for capital portfolio management? I've got a confession to make straight up, Hamish, actually. Yeah. Yes, I'm an engineer. I'm a mechanical engineer by trade. I actually started out as a mathematician. And for the first part of my career, I was actually a researcher in universities and the like. I spent some time up in Germany, mm. spent some time in Darwin in Northern Australia. And really that's representative of the fact that I love learning and always challenging myself and thinking about new ideas. Mm. Um, and I think that that's for me has been a consistent theme through my career. Always mm. curious, always learning, always trying to communicate and, and help others understand the world around them. Mm. Okay. So, you know, when I reflect back in my career, I've always been taking opportunities to challenge myself and try new things. And I remember about 10 years ago, I went on secondment to a large food and beverage company. I had to yeah. move the family up mm. to Sydney. We relocated up there for this great opportunity. And the task I was given was a bit fluffy, a bit unusual. And that was my first attraction to it. It was awesome. Um, it was about how to help projects through their life cycle based on this organization's learnings and culture. And so part of that was me trying to organize, well, here's the right processes and tool sets for each phase of a life cycle. And then what really quickly became apparent is that we needed one for big jobs and one for small jobs. Right. I was, you know, 10 years ago, it was awesome. Mm. I was super excited. I was talking to people. And so I solved this problem. Boom. It was awesome. It was fantastic. Now, I solved it in a really technical way. How did I solve that problem, Hamish? Uh, Excel, I guess. Absolutely. No, yes. oh, Absolutely. Oh God, no. It was beautiful. I had tabs. I had uh, macros. <laughs> it was, I even had colored cells. It was fantastic. And so I went, mm, 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 booked a meeting with my boss and I showed him, gave him a big spiel. He looked at me. He said, Michael, this is the worst thing I've ever seen. It just looks like oh, all boxes. And so I left the office with my tail between my legs and I thought, oh, far out. You know, here well, I was. How could he not like Excel? Exactly. That's, that was my first. <laughs> it was a defensive reaction. I, I, I contemplated, you know, I actually, you know, back in the day, I used to tell my wife yeah. um, that I was wooing at the time. <laughs> you know, I'm a true engineer that I was the world's third best person in Excel. You know, that was. What? Yeah. No. Well, I, sh I knew there was a oh person, another God. person that was better than me. 
and I just assumed because I was modest guy that there was a person somewhere. One other person somewhere. Uh, exactly. That's why I was third. Yeah, right. you know, I'm, well done, Mike. Yeah, I'm yeah, modest. That's very exactly. good. Exactly. So what I didn't know at the time was that uh, Becca also had a digital arm. Uh, we'd had a digital arm for 25 years. And mm. so, uh, you know, you got talking to a person, they refer you on to another person. And that's how I got talking to a guy named Stephen Witherden, who is our technical fellow of software engineering. He said, well, actually, look, you know, what you've done is actually the hard job. You know, you've organized the processes and you've got a great framework, but the way that you're expressing that to the people is wrong. It's all about user experience. And so what he helped me do and helped this organization do was take those processes and express it through a relatively simple SharePoint interface. It was really simple and elegant and it went on to be wildly successful. Mm. Part of why it was successful is yes, we had the right processes, Yes, we chose the right technology to express those processes, but we went out and spoke to everyone out on the shop floor and we helped them understand or we listened to them as to why it would be beneficial to them. And that was what that process was. And so for me, that was a really important point in my career that allowed me to understand about capital project delivery, the processes, the technology that could help build it, but also that people are in the center of this whole process. And so how do we help everyone get better capital project outcomes. Mm. Okay, great. You've been wildly successful. I have to say it's a fantastic tool set you developed and it's come along. And then this is years ago that you were solving that initial problem and there's been dozens of other problems that you've added to that and solved. So, I mean, my hat's off to you, absolutely. But look, you're, you're talking now with leaders of global organisations, many of them all the time. You must have learnt something that you could actually relate back to our listeners as well. Tell me. Tell me, Mike, what are the hot topics at the moment that you're seeing in your travels in capital portfolio management? One of the surprising things that actually isn't surprising to me anymore is that when I get to talk to all these organisations and I'm talking to the engineering vice president or the engineering chief for these organisations, what I find is that in today's world, they're all in what's referred to as a governance guardian type model. So where these people empowered to deliver the largest projects across that organization, their second function is to help communicate that this is the way that their organization wants to deliver projects across their organization. Because we have to remember that they're all in matrix organizations or matrix governance structures. So Yes, they might be directly responsible for the largest projects and have a number of engineers and project managers reporting to them. But ultimately, the vast majority by number of projects are being delivered by all the factories, all the sites around the world, and that they don't have a direct line of authority to those individuals. And so how do they help communicate that here is the way that their organization delivers projects? And I think what's fundamental to that is that there is actually quite a wide range of project management maturity in these organizations. So okay. there's the superstars. These are the people that report directly to the engineering VP. They deliver the biggest jobs. Then there are those people that are new to project management, those emerging project managers, the project engineers. They are aspiring to get better and better at project management so they can take on the bigger jobs. And so when we think about a project management maturity model, typically it's from a one to five level. And so looking at that, what's really interesting, first of all, is that in the surveys, very few, if any, are actually level five from that perspective. Most organizations are actually around the level two mark, so relatively low down the scale. 
And that's reflective of the fact that engineering is a function within an organization. So if we take our classic food and beverage company, their purpose is to deliver great products to their consumers and customers. Mm. Engineering helps facilitate that process, but it's not a core engineering function. It doesn't exist to be delivering great projects. It's a means to an end. So they, and, they don't have to be the best in the world at exactly. engineering project management, but exactly. they have to be the best at doing what they want to do. What's their exactly. Business? That's right, right. Exactly. Yeah. So okay. it's understanding that place and the yeah. fact that, you know, well, actually are we ever aspiring to be level five or is actually mm. what we've got now, you know, good enough, but how do we maintain that position and how mm. do we slowly uplift and get to that sweet yeah. spot? Yeah. Up the that curve? sweet spot. Cause it costs to be level five, right? Exactly. It right, takes a right. huge amount of resources to yeah. be a world-class engineering and project delivery house. Mm. And is it really worth that investment when that's not your core job? Mm. I think yeah. a really good example of that, that tension, because we always talk about this is, well, I've delivered a project, great job, but what's happening two years later? Are you actually realizing the benefits of that project? And, mm. you know, whenever I speak to people, it's always aspirational. Yes, yeah. we want to be able to talk about benefits, realization, lessons learned. Always. Everyone mentions that. Yes. <laughs> what? Maybe this will, uh, you know, help. I've never met an organization, never, that can do that consistently across mm. their portfolio of projects. And I think what helps me understand why that is the case is that when you look at these maturity models, benefits realization is level four. It's very high up the curve. And that's because mm. it takes a lot of organization. It's resource intensive. The project manager that delivered that project that handed over to ops, they have to come back a year later, two years later, and measure it and monitor it and then put it back into a system and, and do a lot of analysis. Who's got time for that? A new product's come out. They're resource scarce. You know, that's, that's not right. beneficial yeah, the priority for Priority goes onto the new. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. More fundamentally, around that level one, level two is well, how do we communicate that these are the right processes for this type of project? A large one and a small one. Mm. And so you go back to that governance guardian type concept with that engineering VP sitting in Europe or the US or Australia or New Zealand, wherever they are, and they've got factories in different locations. How do they communicate to those people that they're not directly responsible for? Here is the right process. And I want to give you and help give you confidence and use this opportunity to give you an alternate career path or, or help you along on your journey. Yeah. Okay. So it sounds like having some consistency around the confidence that people are at least following what we said we'd follow in level two, that's actually a real need and benefit as well. So you imagine a choice, you know, do I choose to do benefits realization or do I choose yeah. to have more consistent project outcomes by having a defined life yeah. cycle? Because that's yeah. ultimately what it's about, you know, is to choose over scarce resources. And so mm. that's part of the conversation I have. And I think that's what's relevant mm. to your listeners. Yeah. Yes, they're Australian, New Zealand based. And so they've got maybe less facility. But what I hear globally from US, Europe, Asia, are the same challenges that we face here locally in Australia and New Zealand. Ultimately, those companies are large collections of multiple sites. Mm. And so, you know, it's really interesting though, relating it back home. Mm. So it's really good insight, um, interesting. So, so Mike, if we point the compass towards the future, what's one of the future trends that you are seeing that you think might be useful for our listeners to have a think about at this point? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is super fascinating, Hamish, and something I'm really passionate about. What I'm seeing 
at the moment is a growing trend to taking our standard business case. So effectively, you know, we're producing yeah. a capital cost estimate and generating net present value or an IRR, mm-hmm. some kind yep. of financial metric. Then what we're doing is we're modifying it to account for the cost on the environment, whether that's a, a cost of carbon, cost of water and the like, cost of waste. And so what organizations are doing ahead of the curve is getting ready for modifying that net present value. Sometimes it goes up and sometimes it goes down. So they're fundamentally changing their project life cycle so that they do that assessment to take into account the impact on the environment. It's fantastic. And through these conversations, I'm hearing about more and more organizations taking that approach. So even though there may not be a price on carbon in the jurisdiction of your listeners yet, Mm. I think everyone is of the uh, assumption that it will be introduced in the near future. People are preemptively getting their organizations ready to make that transition and think ahead of the curve because capital projects have a long life cycle. And so we know we're getting ready for that. Oh, that sounds think, good. So valorizing the the risk rather than leaving it as a sort of an unquantified or a, a risk with a risk score, it's actually putting it into financial terms of the future potential impact. Exactly. And so, yeah. you know, you go back to one of um, our earlier conversations or ideas that we explored, it's all about the people. And so how yeah. do they help, you know, whatever project it is, mm. get the right person involved to help them with that assessment? Because sometimes it's tricky. Sometimes it's complex. Sometimes it's easy. There's lots of different approaches out there, some more complex than others. But fundamentally, it's the idea that this is important. And so we're making that part of our process and all of a sudden it becomes reportable. I think that's super exciting for me, looking forward. Excellent. Thanks, Mike. I knew there'd be some real gems coming from your work that you're doing at the moment and the discussions that you're having with organisations globally. So thank you very much for that. And look, we'll put a, um, a wee link as well to CapEx Insights' website on this podcast. So uh, yes, thank you very much, Mike. Well, thanks for inviting me along today. Um, I'm a long-time listener, first-time presenter, so thank you again. (laughs) No problems at all. Thanks, Mike. And thank you very much to our listeners as well. And as we say in New Zealand, hiya and goodbye. Goodbye.